Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Long Box, guys. My name is Thomas Strange, and with me as always is some of my very best friends since I was a very little kid, even though he's pushing his luck this week. Tommy, how you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing okay. I am drinking some Glenn Levitt scotch that was given to me by my very good friend Tom for Christmas. Is it it is delicious. It is. I'm rediscovering um, Johnny Walker Black. I used to find it a little too smoky, and now... Maybe my palate's changed, but it is delicious today. Johnny Walker Black in a highball glass. But, Josh, uh, what beer are you drinking tonight, my friend? I have a Tooker, a Dunkelweiss. You can't read that. It's not going to focus on it. Uh, Tooker is a very traditional German brewery. They follow the purity laws, and uh, it's a Dunkel Hefeweizen from there. It is delicious. It's just second to Julius Ector for me. Uh, under the the German purity Dunkels, and uh, it's uh, it's a little bit cheaper, and they started canning for the U.S. and I really appreciate that. Thanks, Germany. I lived in Germany for a while. I only liked one Dunkel L, and I can't remember what it was called, but you and I drank it a few times together, so it brought me right back. I think it's called like Dunkelmeister or something weird, something very Dunkel forward. Dinkelmeister, that was it. Uh, maybe. Dinkel. <laughs> Mikey. Dinkel Dunkel. Dinkle Dunkle, that might have been it. That's probably not it. <laughs> Mikey, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing well, and I am drinking a blueberry cider from the Tennessee Cider Company. It is like, the last of the alcohol. This is the last of the alcohol I have in my place because I gave a bunch of it away. I have to purge myself of this. Yeah. I have I the apple like- moonshine. This so, is a security so that- that is the cider that we got when we went to Dollywood. Is it not, Mikey? It is. That is. It's the Delicious. last bottle. Yep. So who gave it to you? He, he it doesn't matter. X going to give it to you. X going to give it to you. X going to give it to you. Because today, we're talking about Charles Xavier. Are we? We are. Professional Xavier. I am honestly and genuinely surprised this is our first time talking about this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so this is the year of the X. We are going through the X-Men roster this year. We've already covered a number of the other X-Men, all yeah. the original X-Men. If you uh, want to go check out those episodes, they're all on Podbean. If you're listening to this on iTunes, it's you're gonna have to go further back. So go over to Podbean to check out those. Probably the best episode we ever did was the Angel episode. Oh yeah, so good. That was fantastic. Yeah. It was so classic us. But it's, all the other ones are also the, good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the topic that gets us there, right? Just the <laughs> the, the loftiness <clears throat> of uh, of the whole thing. So go find that episode. And Josh, before we came, you came on, uh, we were talking amongst ourselves about people and actors who have played Charles Xavier on the big screen as actors. Now, the cartoons, can you name everyone who's been Professor Xavier? I can't name almost any actor ever because I don't know people's names, but sure. Uh, it's the uh, the the guy. Uh, let's see. I love uh, Josh describing just as much as I like. Yeah, I'm just going to describe people. The guy First who's bald? Hold on. In a wheelchair? Uh, first of all, it's sitting behind Mike? Captain of the next. <laughs> yeah. I, when your eyes darted, that got me, man. Captain <laughs> of the next generation. 
right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Stu, we'll give it to you. Sure. Guy from M. Night Shyamalan movie who uh, tries to murder Bruce Willis. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh. Oh, oh you got it. You got it. James McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah, I like him. Uh, who else on screen? How about uh, the guy from Leeds? You on He's an obscure. He's an obscure actor named Harry Lloyd. Oh. I don't think he's been anything else. And also Tracy Morgan in the uh, in the superhero movies, the parody of superhero movies oh, called okay. the superhero movie. Right. He's actually really funny in it. Uh, but we're talking about Charles Xavier, one of the most gifted and powerful telepaths on uh, planet Earth. Uh, vast telepathic powers, a specialist in mutant biology and sociology, the founder of the Uncanny X-Men, and, of course, of Charles Xavier's School for the Gifted. After becoming a paraplegic, uh, following the conflict against the villain Lucifer and the Himalayans, Xavier transferred his family ancestral home into Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, a sanctuary for mutants to train and learn about their abilities. Under his supervision, Professor X's students form the first X-Men, a superhero group that fights uh, throughout the world. We've seen these guys in movies and television shows. And besides being the um, one of the most powerful mutants on the planet, he's also one of the better teachers on the planet. And also, he, you know, a, a fairly decent tactile mind. Do you guys want to talk much about his uh, story arcs, or would you rather just get into some of the history of them? What, what's better for you? Well, let's talk about his powers first. Sure. So, Professor X has uh, telepathy, which we He's only got one about. power. It's telepathy. But it's changed uh, a little bit. No. No. I, I don't think te- telepathy implies control of other people. And Charles Xavier yep. can definitely control yeah, you get, with his, yeah, uh, I Telepathy would say with is his... mental communication. Right? Okay, so fine. That, that it's words from words. I definitely don't think that's his only power. Uh, or, uh, certainly, if you were building him in Mutants and Masterminds, if you only made him with telepathy, he's not Charles Xavier, right? Okay. Right. He can read yeah. people's minds. Against their will, if he so desires. Yep. yep. He can astral project. He can. I was about to say, don't forget the astral projection. Mental illusions. He can make people feel, see, and do certain things. He can transfer how one person feels to another person. Yep. He can mentally control his first X-Men jet. He can mentally control people like puppets. He can mentally control people like an influencer. He can mentally take people over physically. He can wipe and rewrite memories. Uh, Basically, if there is any power that you can think of where you can touch another person's mind and manipulate either their senses, memories, willpower, Charles Xavier can do it. Uh, Now, there's a lot of those powers he tries not to do, but that doesn't mean he can't do them. He can also detect people by their, uh, their mental signatures and it is so refined that he can detect whether or not they're mutants at certain distances, whether or not they're 
conscious, whether or not he's ever contacted them before, whether they're the real person clones copies. He knows everybody's mental signature that he's ever touched before. He's also a brilliant inventor. Uh, as him and uh, Eric Lencher, a.k.a. Magneto, built Cerebro to boost his powers so they can find and communicate with every mutant on the planet. He is a singular um, power in the in the Marvel Universe. And um, when you when you're referring to mutants, you would call him an Omega level. Like he's the top. Yes, yes, level. he is. And, and yeah. we still missed a few powers in there. For kids he's today, S tier. I was going to say, and also, as we saw in Old Man Logan, he can cause physiological issues because of his mental powers in other people. All right. Uh, Also, an omnilingual, he can also telepathically teach people things. He taught the entire team Russian when Ileana first came on. He taught the entire team Japanese uh, when they needed to learn Japanese. That's also a pretty cool power. Also, he's worth $3.5 billion dollars. That's not talked about a lot enough, and I know it's not a superpower, but if you ask me, is this, I'm sorry, if you could read everybody's minds on the planet, is becoming a billionaire a particularly difficult task? Yeah. No, yeah. but it's, he is super rich. It's, yeah. it's still a pretty good power. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's not a difficult, it's not a difficult supposition. If you're like, oh, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you this power. You can read everybody on the planet's mind. I'm going to ask you how much money you can make in a year. Yeah. Conservatively, you're a billionaire by the end of the year. Super conservatively. But yeah. 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 Yeah, it's not hard. (laughs) So let's start. So he's also, um, you know, brought all these uh, mutants together. I think he's most known for bringing the X-Men together and being the leader of the X-Men. Would you guys say that's right or wrong? Sure. Yeah, sure. definitely. Yeah, Created by yep. Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Stan Lee. First appearing in X-Men number one, several months after uh, Doom Patrol and Niles Calder. Yeah. So and 1963? 64? Yep. 63. I don't own that comic. It's one of the few Uncanny X-Men I don't own. So if anybody out there wants to give me a copy, I would love for you to give me a copy of that. Bingo. What's a, um, we're not going for super high grade. So what's a, a reader copy going for right now? Uh, a, a, like a 0. 0.5 yeah. is around $3,000. Yeah, I was going to say three. Okay. And wait, you mean a 0. 0.5 on the grading scale? Yeah. So that's that's like poor. It's like falling apart. Missing pages, ripped cover, three grand. Yeah. Okay. So what's a what what's a what's a minimum scale? Like a, a just the complete book, regardless of like maybe what's a a one point five would be a complete book, yellow pages, maybe bad corners. You know, like everything bad, but a complete book, maybe. A yeah, 1. I mean 5. even. Yeah, that's probably about 7,500. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll chip in. We'll get to one of those. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk about what some of your favorite parts of the X-Men family is or some of your favorite teams? Well, there's so many ways we can go when we're talking about Professor X. Let's, let's I, talk about Professor we're X's. We're just talking about Professor X. His history here. So originally he has, he, he has a little bad relationship with his family. Uh, you want to talk about that? His father was a nuclear scientist. 
that's where he made all his money. But his mom has really bad choices of uh, boyfriends. I mean, I was going to talk about, you know, his brother keeps trying to kill him. His stepbrother. 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 K. Marco. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I was like saying it like that. Yeah. Otherwise known as the juggernaut. Juggernaut. Uh, That's an interesting storyline. Josh, you played juggernaut in the movie. Oh, that British guy from. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I always is... think of him from something else. It's um, the uh, there's a uh, lock, to- lock, stock, and two smoking. Yeah, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Yeah, that's where I always think of him from. Oh, so uh, his name is Vinnie Vincent. Oh, okay. Uh, I I don't think he was a bad choice for the representation of the character. It was a bad movie, but I don't think he was a bad choice for the representation of the character. Sure. So Xavier, when he's a kid, his father dies. His mom remarries. His father's his business partner. Charles is starting to get his telepathic ability and realizes that uh, this guy marries the mom just for the money. Uh, he is abusive to not just Charles, but also his son, Kane. And his mom becomes an alcoholic in order to just retreat from everything and... Charles, even though he's an amazing student and a gifted athlete, he gives up becoming being an athlete because he thinks it's unfair because he can read the minds of everybody he's playing against. I mean, I don't know how that would help him, like in playing golf or track and field, but whatever. Um, there, yeah, there were sports he could have picked. Yeah, there were yeah. definitely sports he could have picked. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he ends up going to. Uh, going to different schools, he ends up teaching at Oxford and somewhere at Columbia in New York. Uh, but it is when he's over in Oxford that he meets Maura McTaggart, his first love. Um, and he is planning on marrying her, but then he gets drafted for the, was it the Korean War, right? Is it? Is it the Korean War? Yeah, it would have been the Korean War because he's older by the time he comes out. So he gets drafted for the Korean War. And she ends up sending him a Dear John letter. He ends up going to Israel and meeting a woman and helping survivors of the Holocaust, which is where he first meets Eric Lesher, Magneto. Uh, He also meets a woman who is traumatized and he uses his telepathic ability to... uh, stop her from being catatonic, but he's not sure if he makes her fall in love with him because of his telepathy. So they break up. He leaves her, but he's already knocked her up with his son, David, uh, who is known as Legion, who suffers from multiple personality disorder. Pretty much everybody that Charles dates does not end up well for them. Nah, he's, he's not a lucky guy. He is, no, he does not have a lot of luck. He does not. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... Um, He's got a lot of weird storylines. I think... Really so Chris, weird. Chris, uh, so... The story goes that Stanley, when he was creating him, was using the civil rights leaders to um, 
Malcolm X and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. as his models for Magneto and Professor X uh, to discuss civil rights via the mutant kind. Chris Claremont, on the other hand, viewed them as they were both uh, prime ministers of Israel. Um, Begin, Nock Begin was Mag, uh, Netanyahu. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember who the the I can't remember who the two prime ministers were, but anyways, he viewed them as that, and he his whole idea um, he made that Claremont's the one who made Magneto and Xavier intricately tied together. Yeah. Uh, and gave Magneto a much richer background. And his idea, he was very upset when they brought Xavier back because he had gotten rid of Xavier by sending him off into space because he thought that the X-Men should develop more without uh, Professor X. But the writers are really horrible to him. I mean, he has a a twin who he tried to kill in the womb who <laughs> survived. Yeah. yeah. Cassandra Nova, uh, who ends up being this really evil villain. He has evil intentions that he bottles up inside that becomes a supervillain named Onslaught. He, at one point, upgrades Cerebro. No, no, not Cerebro. The Danger Room. He upgrades the Danger Room, and it becomes sentient. And he does experiments on it and keeps it trapped and confined. And when the X-Men find out, they're like, what, what the fuck, dude? Uh, yeah. Because Danger is trying to kill all of them, and they're like, you know what could have avoided this if you didn't imprison her? Uh, and then, of course, he, uh, you know, he's just a horrible mentor uh, overall. As much as he tries, he always thinks he knows best, so he will do horrible shit to his students. Uh, just because he thinks, oh, I know better than them. So, like, uh, Cyclops had a brother, and he, the brother dies trying to save the X-Men, um, and he just makes him forget about the brother altogether. Right. What brother? Wow. Yeah, exactly. Oh, way to go, Professor X. He had- that storyline is just going to cause him havoc. Uh, oh no, that's different, brother. Different brother nice try, but, uh, So the, I think there's always an intrinsic problem with somebody who has a power scale that influences the human mind as much as Charles Xavier does. No writer can escape that. It's no matter what you do with Professor Xavier as a character, with the level set of power he's been given, he is at fault. There's there's almost no way around it. Inaction, action, it doesn't really matter. Uh, He's a character who's so in flux and so influential that you that no matter what you do with them, you, you've created something problematic. And no, I don't think a lot of people, especially Stan Lee and and uh, and Kirby, could predict sort of what how sticky 
that would be, right? And uh, oh, there's no good way. There's no Charles Xavier can never be good. He can always he he's either at fault or trying to do something that res, results in fault when you when you when you finally get through what he can do. So they what they they didn't put up enough guardrails for Charles Xavier and that left writers at a huge disadvantage for making him a protagonist, right? He's it's very difficult. It's very difficult as a writer and as as a creator to make Charles Xavier seem like the good guy. Yeah, it even Stan Lee, I mean they they had him romantically attracted to Jean Grey. It's horrible. Right? <sighs> that like, is horrible. Like, yeah, it's just hor- there's no way you can get around everything he does. It's, it's yeah, it yeah, he's a he's a very problematic personality. Which is why Cyclops was justified in killing him. There, I said it. <laughs> I'm glad someone finally did. (laughs) And I love that Cyclops was the one that pointed it out, because when uh, at one point Cyclops was running X-Force as a shadow organization, part of the X-Men, but separate to do covert missions that needed to be done to protect mutant kind. And Xavier was telling him, you you shouldn't be doing this. And Cyclops was like, fuck you, you don't know what fuck you, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you're not in charge anymore. I am. (laughs) But ironically, he was. Right? There's nothing Cyclops could have done with X-Force that Charles didn't know about. Right. And there's nothing they could have done without him allowing to do it. Probably, yeah. Even in that same dichotomy, while Scott's saying, I'm doing this because you won't do it. Maybe Xavier, yeah, maybe or maybe Charles wanted him to do it, and that's why was, Cyclops was doing it. And in the very least, he was tacitly allowing it because he yeah. could just be like, "No, yeah, right." Yep. So, so when we look at when we look at Charles, we we see a lot of a lot of humanity's problems in that same picture, right? And. I'm not going to call out anything specific, but I will. Uh, (laughs) Let's just say the U.S. government, right? At the same time where we say you're not allowed to do X, Y, and Z, we all know that at certain points the government is doing X, Y, and Z. And while some voices say we're not allowed to do this, we can't do this, it's still being done, right? And so... What is the what's the balance there? What is the what is the differential between uh, involvement, tacit agreement and allowance? And so Charles sort of is like the middle of the scales of justice, right, where we all sort of weigh stuff on either side. But we don't really know for sure at the center point if it's balanced, right? We don't know if the scale is even. We only know what we can see. And that scale says, 
maybe I'm doing whatever I want. Maybe I'm allowing you to do things or maybe I'm doing nothing at all. And that's the, the sort of the, the writer's conundrum for Chuck because he could have influenced everything. And two, five, ten storylines down the road, you can not retcon, but you can refer to earlier and say, oh, by the way, Charles either allowed this, disallowed this, or influenced this. And nobody can say otherwise. So he's uh, he's a great character and a difficult character for writers and for 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 anything ethical and moral wise and in, in the in the Marvel universe because he could have done it. You don't know. It's a who done it, and Chuck can do whatever he. For the most part, Chuck could have done whatever he wanted. He it's a he done it. It's a he done it, or <laughs> did he not done it? And if he didn't do it, should he have? Or did he do it by mistake because he's so powerful he didn't know what he was doing? Right. So that that's the thing. He, he even questions that, right? He, yeah, does. he does. He, yep. he, he never himself. can tell if yeah, he never can tell if a woman truly loves him because of who he is or because he wants them to love him. How horrifying is that? And I think that's a great storyline that I wish they would use more often like it, it mu- if the if a writer took delve deep into his conundrum of if i'm telling somebody to do it uh, you know am can I, I yeah am i actually manipulating them are they doing what they're doing because of me or in spite of me yeah am i asking or telling and it happens all the time and he and you're right mike the 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 existential crisis for him is does he know when he's doing it does he have enough control over himself to decide when if there's something he wants enough is he influencing other people uh to get what he wants and jesus christ if there's a bigger ethical hero out there than professor x honestly i'm not aware of who that is star fox Fuck Star Fox on the ass with a two by four. He should be beheaded and thrown on the fucking giant pile of dead. I, I, I think we already know the ethical nature of Star Fox. <laughs> you're, you're holding back, Josh. I need you to let go. I need you to tell us Just what you're really go. thinking. For those of you who are wondering what we're talking about with Star Fox, go listen to our Star Fox episode, which we haven't had yet. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> come to Pentacon, and I guarantee you, he's gonna come up. We're we're on our. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, um, is that going to be uh, just a lightning round? <laughs> lightning round. Go. No, boom, 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 boom. Star Fox. Star Man. Fox. <laughs> Mandrill. No. Star I, Fox. I, I, Star Fox. Actually, we really Let's should. Not do that. We really should have that. Did she like me or was it just pheromones? No, fuck that. <laughs> Charles Xavier. Don't just do that. <laughs> <laughs> What about Does anyone remember the, the 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 small story arc where Magneto granted Charles a refused spine and he could walk again for a little bit? Yes, I like that one where he was learning to walk again. He was playing little little basketball and laughing at his own inability to make shots and and I thought that there was like six months there where 
his mutant powers were slightly stunted because so much of his brain was taking up with relearning to walk that he almost came down to human level. It was short-lived, and it wasn't very long, And I, but I enjoyed those. I'm not sure if it was real or if it was just something he was saying, but it was enjoyable to me. I don't huh? like those storylines. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I agree with you, Josh. I don't like... I like Professor X being in a wheelchair because, one, there are very few representations of heroes in wheelchairs. And... I, I could think of three. <laughs> and it's such a, in a world where there are mutants like Forge, it's such a solvable problem that you don't want it to be solvable. Right? Like, Tony Stark, right? There's so many, there's so many amazing inventors. There's so much amazing technology in the worlds we walk through for this when somebody can't do something, you want them to not be able to do that because the alternative is such a, from a writer's perspective, a lazy solution, right? There's it's magic. No, it's magic. There's no reason yeah. why Charles Xavier can't walk with cybernetic legs in the Marvel Universe, right? Forge could do it. Iron Man could do it. There's a thousand inventors in everybody's fucking lists. Uh, we did the top 10 intelligence people, any one of those and the hundred people behind them that we forgot to mention could make a fucking cyber, a cybernetic set of legs for Charles Xavier. In fact, I'll even put one out that we didn't talk about that could do it. Stilt man. Stilt man. Let, let's, let's just stilt man, professor X, right? He's stilt X and just go about our business. But there's a reason why, we want him represented that way, and there has to be a written reason why it can't be overcome. And I'm perfectly happy with with that explanation, that it can't be overcome by cybernetics, technology, whatever else, magic. I don't fucking care what the explanation is at the end of the day. I don't want it overcome in simplistic means. And I get, Tom, that, that those – and there are very limited storylines – certain flashes of windows where Chuck can walk or he has these uh, expeditions into the world where he is not himself. And those are fine, but I don't want the resolution because it's the resolution is so simple. We should have seen it all the time. Right. At least That's in my opinion. And I think uh, one of the writers, I think it was Claremont, said it was also partially due to a mental block. And I would hope so, right? Right? Like, is I'm that, surprised that Magneto doesn't move his legs. Well, they're not I'm made of metal. I'm surprised Magneto doesn't have Charles Xavier kick himself in the head. Be like, I am moving the iron in your, in your blood and your legs, and I'm kicking yourself in their head. I mean, I can't say anything bad about Claremont because I love that man, and he looks like my grandfather. Oh. Like, I mean, come on, like him and I together in the same picture, we're totally related. I love you, Chris. I know you're not listening. I'll see you. He might be. He might be. I pretty much am. So, I out of all the X Men stories with Professor X, I think my favorite series is the uh, new stuff by Brian Hickman. 
which I gave up on because they had a massive crossover. So, uh, but I was That's digging fair. the uh, Professor X in that one with the portable Cerebro helmet. Yeah. That he was wearing, X. and he was just going by the name X. X. And he gonna give it to you. He is gonna give it to you. Damn right. And thank you, Deadpool the movie for giving us that association with the Marvel Universe because Marvel probably owns that song in perpetuity for their movies and I appreciate that because yeah. I fucking love that song and it's a good scene. A little problematic. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Fucking deal. Yeah. Still a good song. Do you guys have a favorite issue or uh, story line? Yeah, but you guys just shit all over mine, you fuck. I mean, I can't get past I mean, I can't get past uh, uh, the Mutant Massacre is my favorite X-Men storyline of all time. I mean, I don't think there's... I, I, I honestly don't think I'm ever going to read a comic book that gets me past that. It's, it was just sort of... I mean, and that... No offense. Well, totally offense. It's fucking my, your guys' faults, right? It's Mike and Tom's fault. So if you're listening, Mike and Tom, uh, when we first started playing Dungeons & Dragons together when I was a kid, uh, realized I... I lived in a place that didn't have a, even have a comic book spinner, except maybe at um, Nick's in my town. And they really basically just had Archie's and kids comics there and that spinner. And uh, and Mike and Tom basically got together and produced for me a, uh, a massive collection of X-Men titles and gave them to me. Um, mostly because Tom was going off to Germany uh, uh, while he was in the military. But at the end of the day, um, that's what brought me into the world of comic books. And for that, I'll be eternally grateful. And at the same time, I don't think any, uh, any, anything's going to get me past that series in my, in my zeal for, for writing characters um, yeah, I just, we, I, we did I give you some of the best stuff ever. I mean, it's, you really did, yeah. yeah it's kind of hard, like, here's a whole bunch of steak. There's a bunch of hot dogs, too. Yeah, yeah. But have yeah. the steak, and then try yeah. a hot dog. Yeah, you gave me a fucking pile of prime rib, and you're like, oh, after this? Yeah. The, yeah. You, you, yeah. So, I get uh, it. I, I totally appreciate that, but, uh, yeah. I tried to so, share a screen with you. I'm not sure if it actually worked. You show are. It's fucking horrible. Yep. Please stop, by the way. Yeah, please yeah. stop. I'll try. <laughs> uh, Nobody wants to see Professor X playing basketball. I see this, he looks yeah. so cute. His little shorty I can shorts. look at it some other time while I'm not not looking at this. All right, but he looks so cute in his little shorty shorts. Any other time. Fine, I'll go back. Stop. I'm trying. How did I do it? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, take me yeah, second, guys. I mean, the, the Chris Cormont run of the X-Men is probably the best I still have a fondness for the X-Men's appearance on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're the only one, but sure. Yeah, why not? It was a simpler time. The it X-Men was. were just fighting Juggernaut. It was a, it was a simpler time. <laughs> it was. All right. Well, while Tom's trying to figure out how to stop unsharing his or how to, to unfuck our YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, thanks. Hi, Kyle. If you are listening to this podcast and wondering, yeah, we do have a YouTube channel. It's 
the long box guys if you want to go check out our patreon only podcast called the geek leak you can go over to patreon.com slash the long box guys and for a mere one dollar a month you can get an extra podcast almost every week that we do a podcast and all the money we get from our patreon account goes to the elizabeth peabody house to the food bank over there so you're doing good and doing well at the same time good and well at the same time that did it by by the way right i, I got that off it did you did thank christ sorry about that guys i just meant for a second it stayed too long well, i guess that brings us to the front of the law box mike you guys get the front of the law box i do uh hopefully you guys will be able to see it it's probably not because of the glare it's something ducks. Duck. Ducks. ducks two years in the oil stands by kate beaton it is a uh, New York Times number one best-selling graphic novel. It is a biography of a woman from uh, the coastline of Canada who goes to the oil sands to uh, work in the oil fields. And it's, a, it's very good. It talks about a lot of topics like uh, economic the disparities between different people uh, being a female in a predominantly male world. When I was reading it, I instantly thought of all the women who are in the military where, you know, you don't have to be a supermodel to have hundreds of men just pursuing you because you have all the right parts. And uh, this the author kate she she doesn't know if people like her because she's Ooh. they like her because of her personality or if they like her just because she has all the right parts and she really struggles with that and plus she she also has to deal with a lot of sexism and she kind of falls into the trap of i don't want to upset everybody else by calling out and getting people in trouble. But she does call out some people. She doesn't call out everybody. It's it's, it's very human. Thank you. That's, that's a great way. I love this uh, book myself. Yeah. I'll be talking about this book a lot during our uh, sexual assault in comic books panel that we have coming up. This is an important comic because it's told from a female's perspective. And it's autobiographical. And it is, as you said, shows human fault. So... I 100% agree with you, Mikey. Great pick for the front of the long box. Tommy, what you got in the back of the long box, buddy? I have Avengers Academy Arcade Death Game. Nice. <laughs> kind of feel you're like just like pandering to one of us. To one of us, but okay. Maybe. Go on. Maybe. So in this trade, if you will, uh, the folks from the Avengers Academy, the, the students who are learning from the Avengers, are given the day off to wander New York and have fun. And, of course, immediately, Arcade has decided to abscond with them, separate them, to trap them in Murder World so that he can toy with them and rebuild his reputation as an assassin. And... It is all about them outwitting Arcade's machinations uh, to escape and, and once again 
freed themselves from an arcade and murder world. So you lost Tom immediately because teenagers outwitting arcade? <laughs> Everyone outwits arcade. It's okay. <laughs> arcade, arcade would be nearly as much fun if he... If he just murdered all the time? Yeah, like if he just murdered everyone all the time, it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. But he he has this weird sense of justice, and he really does, that if you beat Murder World, you're free to go. I don't care. And that makes the character, for me, kind of fun. Yeah, but he kills all the construction workers who work on his Murder World, so they won't reveal anything. That's not, that's not true. I've uh, If you read the new arcade run, you see that those construction workers are always like, I can't believe we keep doing this, guys. Isn't he going to kill us eventually? He goes, he, he can't. He's got to keep building these things all over the world. If he keeps killing us, it won't work, man. This We're in like this perfect, weird kind of symbiotic relationship, man. And uh, one of the guys slapped the joint out of the other guy's hand. He goes, snap out of it. It's, it's a good scene, but they do talk about that. They address that elephant in the room. Arcade has to hire and employ thousands of workers. This guy is creating jobs. Are they union man. jobs? Because if they're union wow. jobs, I'm going to start rooting for Arcade. I don't think they're union jobs. I think they're a little more under the table than your average union Maybe job. Maybe a little under the table, but then he's still a super. If villain. they're union, then they're definitely crooked union jobs. <laughs> You say that as if those are two mutually exclusive things. Hey, right? hey, hey. 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 Well, they don't have to be, is all I'm saying. Somebody's got to yeah. do a take a break right now. Who are the heroes in this Avengers Academy murder? Uh, so there's Firestar, Spider-Girl, uh, a reptilian guy. I think he's named Reptar or something. I don't know. Sorry. I hope it's Reptar. I hope, it, I hope it's, it's Reptar. Not. From, <laughs> I no, hope no. it's Reptar from the uh, <laughs> show with the little kids. Uh, kids. Uh, shit. I don't know. I, but my friend did uh, all the uh He's actually production. a sleeve stack for uh, And there's, there's a girl who can turn herself into a gas. Uh, yeah, there's another person. Yeah, there's another yeah. person that... Um, that oh, uh, oh has back. Has has electricity. I'm not sure if this is any good. The, the gas girl is hazmat. Okay. She, she can turn herself into a lot of lethal, toxic chemicals. I know hazmat. Only yeah. because yeah. of Snap. Ah! <laughs> Dude, have you, have you got murdered by the fucking Luke Cage uh, Wong hazmat combo? I have not gotten murdered by it's that yet. tough. <laughs> Maybe that'll Looking. be your tangent. It sounds good. I don't know what this one is. <laughs> Uh, I know Hasbeth. I actually like that character because she's kind of cool because she's a, a normal kid who kind of wants to hold hands, uh, but she's also a poisonous gas in a suit. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it's Hasbeth. I think it's another girl. But anyway, uh, but it was a, it was a fun little story right. that I think Tom would enjoy. Probably, I do like me some arcade. <laughs> I did like how he trapped a bunch of the kids. He brought them into an alley, and then the bricks from the surrounding buildings would fly out randomly and hit him in the head <laughs> and knock him out. You just hit the kids with. You, you like the fact that he just hit a bunch of teenagers with bricks in the head? Yeah, I mean, 
because you never see superheroes being taken oh. out by bricks. <laughs> nah, I just like I like seeing all teenagers being hit in the head by bricks. Yeah, I like that's that. that's universal. When that's, was the last time you saw if a you've ever been a parent being knocked universal. out by a brick? It's fucking but, universal. But that's a little tangential, Josh. What do you got on the tangent side? Ah, uh, man. In, on the tangential side, it's Rugrats, been a tough Rugrats. week. Rugrats, Josh, it was Rugrats. It was Rugrats. That was the show. Yeah. Sorry, uh, a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine did the uh, the score for Rugrats. He worked with. And do you know who wrote all, almost all the music for Rugrats? Was Kay Hanley's wife, uh, Kay Hanley's oh. husband, the guitarist from her band, uh, actually ended up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was the uh, he wrote actually most of the music for Letters to Cleo and he started doing him and Kay actually after Letters to Cleo uh, started doing a lot of scores and soundtracks for TV shows and cartoons. And that was one of them. So um, my buddy worked with them. Uh, They're divorced now, but Kay's still lovely and and so is her husband. But that's not your tangent. What's your tangent, buddy? That's not my tangent. I'm trying to think of one. I've been delaying my brain process. I guess with everything we've talked about today, Professor X included, uh, the deep, dark recesses of our mind. We're, what, what is the thing that hides from you in the in the world of comics we're going to stick in in comic world but um there's usually a character or a place or a theme that sort of haunts us or 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 sits just below the surface that we don't want to talk about or we uh we 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 have problems with what's the uh who's that character for you what's the character that sort of sort well, we of already know tom's because we did a whole episode on it where we interviewed the writer uh, that Spencer was locking Locke. Uh, Spencer and Locke. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 dig into our own psyches a little bit and tell me uh, tell me yeah, what let, happened. Let's leave Tom the fuck out of this one. <laughs> Why'd you turn your camera off, Tom? Because I might tear up thinking about it, you douchebag. Camera's on. This is you. Oh no. Yeah. So okay. it's amazing. Camera that you on. It's amazing you should say that because today is the seven year anniversary of my partner dying. And uh, so I'm going to say ambush bug uh, issue number two, where he learns that if a partner dies, it increases the sales of the comic book. Well, I have to say, Mike, if your life is ever a comic book, this is the big sale day for you. Yeah, I'm sorry about it has, that. It has uh, not increased listenership, Mike. It's existentially. <laughs> no, no, no. The problem is Mike doesn't want to exploit that into an existential uh, uh, readership. But no way. What, what are you talking about? No, we he, made him cry. No, we should, He's always we saying dead that. partner. Oh, no, yeah. we should do that. Yeah, dead no, partner. we don't. We don't advertise it enough. You know, there's there's Google advertisements with keywords. I should really get a T-shirt made. You should get a t-shirt made. There's should. no doubt about it. My partner was killed in the line of duty, and all I got was the lousy 5,000 more subscribers. I have to say, Mike, I think the weirdest thing about that whole thing is I never met him. Yeah. It is very strange. Like, yeah, none of you guys did. Like 13, 12, 13 years, right? 
I mean, I don't even I don't even think I met him. And I used to meet you outside of work all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. So 13 years, five days a week, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I spent so much time with him and you guys never met him. It seems very strange. It's all very strange. Yeah. Yeah. But recognizable. Hmm. Tommy, how about uh, you, buddy? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's. I don't think there's anything that I'm avoiding in comics. In your life? Really? We were both Catholics. Well, I mean, there's always stuff in my life that I'm avoiding, but I don't think there's anything in comics that I'm avoiding. <laughs> I'm not going to comment now. <laughs> no, I guess Power Pack. Power Pack really <laughs> is it for me. How about just reading a whole bunch of Jubilee comics? <laughs> That son of a bitch, Tom. Yeah, yeah she's a vampire now. <laughs> she's a vampire now? Well, yeah. she always was a bloodsucker, Mike. Yeah. She had no fashion sense, that's for sure. She had great fashion sense if you're still in yeah. the news. Josh, what do you got, buddy? I mean, it's a tough one for me personally, but I think what I uh, the often the thing that often sort of sets me off or or uh or or pushes me around both in reality and in the world of comics or our movies is um are our pets right um it's been a it's been a a rough week for uh for me personally for for pets right so uh rachel's dog dakota passed away we have Leaf's dog passing away, and someone jokingly on Twitter said there there should just be like a a thing that says I'm not watching your movie if the dog dies, and there's there's some there's some of that for me right like, and I am personally in an oddly and strange tenuous position with my dogs. Uh, and I don't know how to deal with that and the sort of the conflict that's come through this week has left me thinking about that and uh, not great thoughts. So, so, so Josh, you should probably read We Three if you haven't read that. Don't read that. Is that Grant Morrison or was that Alan Moore? Don't read it. (laughs) Well, if the dogs get raped, it's Alan Moore. Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny, Josh, because and not kind of funny, but uh, you took one of the more triggering comics of all time home with you over the weekend. You took Animal Man. Uh, I, haven't number, I haven't read it yet. You still don't know what that one's about, Mikey? What's that? I haven't read it. I mean, I can go get it. It's sitting on my kitchen table. I haven't read it yet. Uh, issue number, number eight. Uh, eight. Number eight. Eight. Yeah. eight uh, it's it's a tra- that one that's a toughie for me. It's a very good comic, but very well written. Very. There are no doubt that things that will always scar us are always fantastic writing, right? I I will not deny that, but it's um yeah. Well, way to bring way to bring us down there, Josh. Yeah, it's my job. <laughs> That's your job. That's yeah. part of your job. And now let's go over to plugs. And one of the big things we want to plug is Pentagon is coming up. Unfortunately, 
another downer. Nick Frost jump ship on us. That's too bad. I was looking forward to, to, to talking with him, seeing him, getting some autographs. Uh, but still a ton of great people. Everyone from uh, a lot of good people from uh, the old movie, The uh, the Revenge of the Nerds. Some really cool wrestlers I'm really looking forward to getting autographs from and talking to. Uh, Pets God's coming up in 30 days, I think. 30 fucking days. 30. 30. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. It is crazy. It's absolutely uh, crazy. Get your costumes done. <laughs> I need to work on mine. I, I'm just waiting for my hat to come in. I hope it's not coming in on a slow boat. <laughs> what are we doing for cosplay? Uh, we're doing Tracksuit Mafia again. That's easy. I love it. Simple, simple, simple. Revenge of the Nerds. Just buy a Lambda 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 t-shirt. I am a nerd. I don't have no problem with that. Yeah, buy a Lambda 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 t-shirt. They're on Amazon for like 12 bucks. Uh, And we're doing Doctor Who. That's the toughie for you. Yeah, I don't know anything about Doctor Who, so someone just needs to send me a picture of what I'm doing. Be a K9 or be a Dalek. (laughs) You're you're just... Saying, saying words. words. <laughs> yeah. Be a blark duck or a jerk. Uh, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Just send me a picture. Be a Cyberman. You want to be Yeah, something? be a cyber Well, be a Cyberman. You already got the robot costume if you yeah, still have send it. Send me a fucking picture. Yeah, yeah, you're just like ah, blah 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 blah. You're Josh, a fleet, you're a Josh, flop with a nip nap. Okay. Josh, do you send remember me a your robot picture. do you remember your robot costume from a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah, that's a Cyberman. You did a Cyberman okay. perfect. It's gonna be a bitch to pack, but fuck. <laughs> I get it. Uh, Mike, who are you uh, cosplaying for the Doctor Who one? Matt Smith. I have my furnace going off. I'm in the podcast dungeon, so I'm going to turn off my yeah. volume. That's all right, no problem yeah. there. Tommy, what do you got to plug for me, buddy? I'd like to plug geekorthodox.com. Geekorthodox.com. Hello, Tammy. <laughs> GeekOrthodox.com, purveyor of fine stained glass prints, Johnny Skywalker rocks glasses, sake sets, you name it, they got it at GeekOrthodox.com. If you want t-shirts, you got to go to IanLino.com for all your t-shirts because they have all the t-shirts at IanLino.com. Yeah. Beautiful. It's so very true. Do that. Get the t-shirts. Get all the things. Stained glass. Also, Mike has yeah. so many good stained glass. Uh, They're going to be down with us. This. Oh, yeah. Come. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully, yeah, they'll be there. They're going to help with uh, what do we, what, what do we need help with. Karaoke. The karaoke, yeah. Karaoke. I already told them they were going to help, and they were like, aren't yeah. you just doing a singing along? And I was like, yeah, but you're going to help, right? But you know what? Oh. I'd like to plug Kirby Crackle Music. They Kirby. can be found on Bandcamp. They provide all our geek rock music when we have geek rock music. Right now, we might not have geek rock music, but they provide all our geek rock music. You'll figure it out. You can buy, like, their entire catalog for, like, $97 on Bandcamp. Just $97 for their entire catalog. Go do it. It's great. On Bandcamp. Yeah. On Bandcamp. Is that a thing? It is a thing. Okay. Bandcamp.com. It helps. It helps. Where you you can buy music from, from artists. Directly from the artist. You can can find it for free, probably, but it's nice to give a couple bucks to our friends. I mean, absolutely. I don't know. I don't don't know what that that site is or does or what its purpose is. Bandcamp takes a very small cut to provide the platform 
to sell the music for digital music Com- digital compared music. to compared to say an Amazon or an iTunes or somewhere yeah. else. And I, I and have, sometimes and I and sometimes I they actually have, have a, and I actually have an album on there myself, the Big Blue Yamato from San Francisco. Uh, we have three songs on there. Uh, the name of the album is Lincoln Shot First. Uh, we're very proud of the title, if nothing else. And uh, we have a cover of uh, uh, Jill Sobel's um, I Kissed a Girl. We have uh, two original tracks. One's called um, Mr. Nice Guy. And the other one is, um, I can't remember what the other one's even called. Gwen. It's called Gwen. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes Bandcamp has these uh, Bandcamp Friday days where, like, they don't even take a cut from the artist. Everything just goes straight to the artist. That so, sounds awesome. So it's a, it's a great platform to buy music from the artist digitally okay. i only remember that by the way because i got like a weird check out in the mail from Bandcamp, and i had no idea what it was from and someone bought lincoln shot first like i think it's like the third sale i've ever yeah, done you're welcome tom thank you tommy <laughs> it's like 14 it's like 14 cents but i'm like it's fine the gal sells for like a buck <laughs> i guess that'll about do it for us tonight guys josh Pensacola, Florida. Is that your sector? Yeah, from February 22nd to the 26th, 7th. I don't fucking care. Do you remember what time we're flying in? Early. We leave Boston early. Oh, no, I meant uh, what time we're flying back into Boston. Late. Too bad. I got It's an 8 o'clock show that I'm booked on. You're not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. (laughs) I think we fly out of Atlanta like... I think it's 6 or 7 p.m., so... That's all right. You're not going to make it. I'm not going to make that. Mikey, how's everything with you, and what's this podcast like for you? It's like drunk history, but for comics. Tommy, sweet, sweet Tommy, my brother from another mother. Come do shots with the long box, guys. Do all the shots. Shots, 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 shots. Do your COVID shots. Do your pneumonia shots. Do all the shots, man. Get it all done. Flu shots. I just met a young fella in my comedy class. He has shingles, and he's only 24 years old, and it's awful. Josh, yeah, don't, you, don't you shrug, you son of a bitch. You said it was like the worst pain ever. Like 50. It was not the worst pain ever, no. Well, you said the other thing. You said it was the worst pain ever until you got that other thing. Kidney stones, yeah. Kidney, you said it was the worst. You thought it was the worst pain ever until you got a kidney stone. <laughs> I actually had the, yeah, I had the, the thing after the kidney stones, but yeah. Uh, it's not fun. Don't get me wrong. Shingles is not fun. That'll look fun. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, that'll look fun. All I right. would rather be shot than have the kidney stone thing again. <laughs> hey, don't forget what I always say. Don't diss what you hate. Just promote what you love. You live longer. Love you from the blog. Right, guys. Bye-bye.